Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 was made famous from the rock band, The Birds. Now some of you in here are probably going, I don't know who that rock band is. And some of you probably grew up listening to that band. But either way, the birds actually took Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and they sang the lyrics verbatim. Ecclesiastes 3 will be known because almost everyone recognizes it. In fact, every time the song tries to to go out there, or, or to die, if you will, there'll be a movie like Forrest Gump that comes along, and then all of a sudden, we're all singing it again. To everything turn, 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 there is a season, turn. That was the birds, that's what they were singing. And so they made this text that we're going to uh, be looking at this evening very famous. But here's the thing. When it comes to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I think that we have to have some lenses on to read Ecclesiastes 3 correctly. You go, wait a minute, Ben, I need to put on glasses. No, 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 we need to look at it a little bit different because if we don't have the lenses of the Holy Spirit, if you will, if we don't have the lenses of the Word of God, and we don't have these lenses, then, then the, the verses here in chapter 3 will get kind of skewed. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. And if we don't understand the whole of Scripture, well, then it kind of skews on how you see it. And you don't get the whole weight of what's, what it's trying to communicate to us. And so, we've got, we've got, to, uh, we've got to work on uh, we've got a lot to work on before we get to Ecclesiastes 3. And it's getting on the right glasses, if you will. And once we have on the right lenses, then we can go to Ecclesiastes 3 and read it. So, where do we start? Well, let's start off in Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah 46, God is going to introduce himself to us in a way that I think is relevant to where we're going here in the book of Ecclesiastes. So, Isaiah chapter 46, we're going to pick it up in verse 8. Notice what he says. Isaiah 48, 6 says, Remember this, and show yourselves men. Recall to mind, O you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, from the ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man who executes my counsel from a far country. Indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Very, very, very important. Okay, so here's what we're doing. Church, look at me. We're putting on a different kind of lens right now. We're going to look at the lens here that's going to look here between Isaiah 46. You go, well, Ben, tell me what he said. Tell me exactly what he said. Well, here's what he's saying. God is speaking, and he says, I and I alone sit on top of all time. That's what God is saying. He's saying to you and I, he says, not only do I see the past and the present, he says, 
but I see everything. And you've got to grasp that in your mind. I see everything. Everything is under my gaze. He says, I make known the end, and that means when all this is over, from the beginning. He says, I'm the one who decides. I set into motion. I sit sit at all of eternity, and I see it all at once. Now, here's what we need to understand. In Isaiah 46, God just declared that he is God. He sees everything from the beginning to everything in between. He sees it at a macro level. He sees it at a micro level. He's God. Can I get a good amen? amen. But you've got to grasp what he's saying. Because here's the problem. The problem is that his viewpoint is different than our viewpoint. And that's so important because you and I, we, we have a viewpoint that differs greatly from God. God sees everything from the beginning to the end and everything in between. If you were going to illustrate it with a parade, God sees the beginning of the parade, he sees the middle of the parade, he sees the end of the parade, he sees it all at once, in time, he sits aloft over everything. You and I, our view is we see each float that comes by. We don't know. We often see, where's the beginning? Where's Oh, that must be it. The, the policemen are coming through. They're blowing the whistles. Okay, was well, that the end? I think that's the end. Because what happens in a parade? They're usually the cleanup trucks, right? The street sweepers come at the end, and you kind of know that parade is over. Now, what we need to understand, and if you're taking notes, you really need to jot this down. You go, what do I need to jot, Pastor? We have a very limited viewpoint. Simply because all we have is how long we've been alive. It's very limited. We have a very limited viewpoint based on what books that have influenced our lives. You guys know the feeling. You've read a book, it really touches your heart. And from there on, that sort of influence how you talk and, and how you can be, oh, I've read this book, this is, a, this is me, you've got to read this book. And so we have a limited viewpoint. We can tell, for the most part, based on our limited viewpoint, what kind of day it's going to be, aren't we? What kind of day, depending on the day. For example, if I were to say Mondays, everybody goes, oh, Monday. And you know what kind of, what kind of, again, what kind of day that's going to be. Think about your Mondays. Everybody hates Mondays. It was Garfield who used to write in the comic strips, he hated Mondays. Mondays were always that like, ah. And you and I do the same thing, right? We, we kind of go. Now, hopefully as believers, we're like Monday, Sunday, whatever day it is. I love Jesus. Let's go. But it's always the start of the week because we go, okay, now we have a fresh set of problems that we have to deal with at work. Or now we have what happened, what transpired over the weekend and so forth and so forth. And you could almost verbatim just figure out what your Monday is going to look like. I was talking to Julie earlier, and uh, and and because school started, it, it's been it's just this is this is how she predicted. This is what school. I had to work from six in the morning till nine o'clock at night, and here's school, and 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 we got all the kids to school, and everybody worked out, and this is. But listen, listen. God's trying to tell us something here. That you 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 need to internalize. See. You, at best, at best, will live 90 to 100 years. Okay? The Bible says that we get three score and ten, which means if you're 70, you've made it. 
If you're past 70, you're on God's wonderful grace. But at best, 90 to 100 years, and God says, well, I've always been. I've always been. I don't live. I'm, I've, I've just existed. Now, now, think about this. This just blows your mind. Why? Because John tells us, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1.1. 1, 1. You guys know that. In the beginning. The beginning of what? Like the beginning of time? No, no, no. Go back to Genesis chapter 1, where it says, in the beginning, God created. See, right now, you and I are limited by time, and we'll look at John 1 and say, oh, he, God was in the beginning. What beginning? Well, he created him. But see, God, now take a step outside of that, and God always existed. God's always, what was he doing when we weren't around? Like, I can't wait to find out. But what we need to understand is God has always existed, and this is what he wants to let us know. He's always existed. He says, I see far better than you. He says, because when I see, I don't see moments. He says, I see all the moments, even the ones that hadn't happened. Let that sink in. So take a step back in your life. Think of the moments in your life. Think of the moments that impacted you the most. And and God's like, look, I, I saw that. I was there with you. I was there. And I saw them all even before they happened. And again, I'm thinking, wow, Lord, what are you saying? Here's what he's saying. And this should help you sleep tonight. Far better than anything you could ever take. God governs all things in our lives. God governs all things. Now, again, this is going to blow your mind. From where you live to what you're doing, listen, God has ordained it all. And all. In other words, now now listen, because whether it's your job or whether it's your family or whether it's some outside circumstance that brought you here, The scripture says, no, I brought you here. You got here because of me. No, 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 no. My job transferred me. God says, no, I did that. I did that. Well, no, I got moved here because they were shifting and, and we were starting this new division. And God says, yeah, I did that. I moved you here. I moved you. You see... God sits on top of all that's ever been and that will ever be. And he's never surprised. He's never shocked. He's never afraid. He knows he sits on top of everything and he sees forever. Now I want you to let that, just just let that sit in your heart. Because a lot of us think, well, we're here in Lubbock. I don't know how we got here. No, no, no. God brought you here. God brought you here. No, my job, tra- no, no, no. You see, a lot of times your pastor throughout the years will get discouraged. Lord, did I hear you right? Did I hear you right? Uh, are you sure you said Lubbock? You could have said something else. I was so zealous back then. I said, did you bring me to Lubbock, God? And, and maybe I heard you wrong. Maybe I shouldn't be here. Maybe, maybe there's somewhere else that I need to be ministering to. And then I look at the pastors like that, and God goes, no, no, no. Um, I brought you here, Ben. I brought you here. And then I'll get real technical. Well, God, you know, I, I, I sort of push some buttons. Maybe I, and, and you go, and he looks at me and he says, Ben, you can't manipulate me. 
You didn't, you didn't create anything that I didn't ordain. So why are you thinking, oh, oh. And I go, wow, Lord, you, you brought me here. You brought me. So God sees everything. He knows your lives. He's governing your lives. He knows where you are. He knows, here's the thing. He's so amazing. He knows every breath you're going to take. My father-in-law got sick. And there was a there was a moment there where it was like oh he's not moving he's and and they were sort of my my wife was worried and my mother in law was worried and rightfully so but one of the things the Lord put in my heart is he knows he knows the day you're born and he knows the day you're going to take your last breath nothing surprises him and so that should give us peace and comfort knowing okay well as long as I have breath in my lungs today I'm good I'm good. Well, Ben, what if the Lord should call me home tomorrow? And praise God. Praise God, because I want to be with him. I would be sad for the people that would miss me, if you will. I don't think I'd be sad in heaven. I'd be like, <laughs> sorry. But you all would be sad. We're sad for the people that left. That's the honest truth. We're sad when somebody dies. We're sad when it breaks up. Now, now listen, when they've been old and, and they've walked a good life, we, we can... We can kind of live with that. But when tragedy happens, an accident, and somebody gets killed, and it's fast, that's what takes us by surprise. That's, what, that's why we just can't deal with stuff. It's like, wait a minute, you were here. I was just on the phone yesterday with you. You were healthy. You're perfectly, I don't understand. And, wh- and, and what's the question we ask? God, why? Why? Well, there's a lot of questions this side of heaven you and I won't be able to get an answer to until we get to heaven. But I love the fact that when you and I get to heaven, here's what he says, you're going to know all things. And so you're going to look back at your life, if you will, and go, oh, Lord, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that's what you were doing. I didn't know this was happening. I didn't. So it makes me want to be very careful not to complain about what God is doing because God's doing it. Does that make sense? We have to be careful. We have to be careful. So, what's the first set of lenses? Well, here's what they include. Knowing that God is in control over everything. He's in control. He ordains life and moments. God knows and he sees them all. That's the first set of lenses. Amen? So, say goodbye to Isaiah. Let's go over to Psalm 139. Because this colossal God who sees all... All that ever was, all that is, and all that will ever be also is very intimately knowledgeable about you. So you have this on a big macro level. Let's see the micro level. Let's put on our second set of lenses, okay? Let's take those ones off. We're going to put this one. Psalm 139, picking it up in verse 13. For you... Formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance, being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written. The days were fashioned for me, when as yet there were none 
of them. Scripture here, church, listen to me, just said that the hands of God intricately wove you. It's you he intricately wove together in your mother's womb. With the knowledge of all the days that were to come for you. Think about that. Well, Pastor, I'm whatever age you are. Yeah, God knew. And even before... He, he, he began to form you. He began to form you. He loves you. And I love that, that even the song, Oh, How He Loves Us, I mean, you've you got to grasp this. Here's the point. Anthony didn't know which verses we were going to cover as far as Psalm 139, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, he spoke a song that actually fits beautifully because you've got to understand how much he loves you. He loves us so much because, again, he says, listen, I'm going to know you from when you were born, from when you were in your mother's womb. I know exactly what color of hair you're going to have. I know this is why, listen to me, this is why it's such an attack when somebody says, well, God made a mistake. I'm supposed to be uh, whatever it might be. It's an attack because God goes, no, 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 no. I create, I, you, this is how I made you. And when someone stands up and they're confused and we love them, can I get an amen? amen? We love them, but when they're confused about their gender, what they're really saying is, God, you made a mistake. You didn't know what you were doing. I'm totally feel like, and, and, and so we got to go back to, he goes, no, 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 he, he, here's what he says. He says, oh, while you were in your mother's womb, I said, you're going to have black hair and you're going to have brown eyes or blue eyes or whatever he says he's going to i'm going to enter and, and we just think no 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 ben that's just randomly that's just random my parents my parents were this and this and this and i came out looking like this and it's no that's not what scripture says and you've got to get your head around how the eternal of uh, the scope is for god and so he's weaving you together in your mother's rooms and the scripture says he's doing it twofold. You go, how so? Well, he's doing your substance, your frame. He knows what gender you are. He knows exactly why he made you that way. He knows for that, for the glory of God. And the second, he's doing your personality makeup. Okay, you got to grasp that one. Okay, you got to grasp that. Why? Because what the scriptures, what the word of God is telling us is here is so so the text is saying that God intricately wired me together in my mother's womb putting my form together and he sees my days he knows the calling he has a plan on my life Psalm 139 that I am today and I'm not some random accident of genetic collision but purposely intricately thought out and designed for the purposes of God. You go, what does that mean? Your personality God created just for you. Your person, you, you gotta, here's what happens, guys. Here's what happens. God created us as us. And what happens is we meet somebody that we fall in love with 
And what we try to do is we try to change them. And that's not what God... I mean, here the scripture says God knew exactly... And here, here's my point, okay? Here's my point. When my wife and my daughters were in the house, it was very loud. You understand that, okay? And I joke with them. I said, the reason I became a pastor is so that I could have a chance to talk. Because I had three women in my house that wouldn't stop talking. Honest truth. Honest truth. My wife will talk to anybody, anywhere, anytime. She'll meet you. In Christmas time, she goes around and she hands people candy and she says, Merry Christmas. I'm like, Nathalie, you can't do that. Can't just be handing people candy for Christmas. Why not? And I, we call her Buddy the Elf, okay? Because she'll just talk to anybody. Well, you guys know Talia. She's the same way. She'll talk to anybody. You get them two together. And it's very loud in my house. It's very loud. My granddaughter. My granddaughters make straight A's in elementary. Do you know what they talk to her mother about every parent-teacher conference? She is a talker. She's a talker. She got in trouble so many... And you go, Pastor, what's your point? Here's the point. All you have to say is, hey... Psalm 139, God made me this way. If you're loud and boisterous, God made me this way. If you're quiet and reserved, well, why can't you be more? This is how God made me. I'll never forget, Pastor Chuck told us a story. I don't know why Pastor Chuck's been in my heart lately, but he told us a story that when he first started out in ministry, um, his wife came to him and said, you know, sweetie, don't just stand behind the pulpit he says, you need to be more like Billy Graham. You need to be more, more boisterous. You need to be more moving and, and dynamic. And he goes, okay, okay, I'll try it. And he goes, he said, that didn't work for me. He said, that's not who I was. Pastor Chuck used to stand behind the pulpit. He put his hands right there and he'd say, okay, turn in your body. And that's all he did. He just taught it that way. We have dynamic preachers who move back and forth. You have those that just really excite the crowd. And then you have, you have a Charles Hayden Spurgeon who used to read his notes like this because he couldn't see. And 5,000 people were lined up back in the 18th century to come and hear him preach. That's how God made you. And here's what I want to say. However God made your personality, that's how God made you. I want you to think of, of the, the Apostle Paul when he was Saul. He was still very zealous, wasn't he? He was still, he was still a go-getter, but he was like at the top of, his, top of his class. The only difference that Saul, now Paul, the only difference was what? He saved. God still used that same dynamic personality and that zeal for his kingdom. For his kingdom. So the point is, from a macro level, God knows everything in your life and is governing you. To a, to, a, uh, to a micro level, he's created you. He's created your personality. This is how it is. And so what we need to do is when you get married, you need to love and learn and love that personality. That's who you are. That's who you married. And then you become a pastor because then you get a chance to talk and, and, and everybody laughs because then I, I used to sit and, and you know what they used to tell me in my house? Poor daddy. He never gets a chance to talk. I... I just eat my food, and there it is. Here's the point. You ready? Let's look at me. Look at me. We have to stop. You and I eventually have to stop wanting to be somebody else. 
We have to stop wanting to be. Paul said, by the grace of God, I am who I am. In other words, this is God who made me. Maybe I should stop trying to be like someone else. Because this is who God made me to be. And what you need to understand tonight, church, is God, you are fearfully and wonderfully made just the way you are. And I'm going to tell you right now, you, God does not make mistakes. You are not a mistake. You've got to grasp that. So the second set of lenses, so we understand Ecclesiastes, is knowing that God made us and he formed us intricately, wired us, and he knows us. He knows us. Okay, one last turn. Listen, it goes a little bit deeper. Let's put on the third set of lenses. Third set of lenses, turn over to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, just a couple of verses here, three verses. Acts 17, picking it up in verse 24. God who made the world and everything in it, the scripture says, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives life, breath, and all things. And he's made, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and boundaries of their dwellings, that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. Acts chapter 17. So, you have this God, and now get this in your head, because it's the lenses in which you and I need to read Ecclesiastes 3. You have the God who sits above all and is beyond all of eternity. He sees all that ever is at once. He doesn't see in segments. He doesn't see in pieces. He never makes decision with unanswered questions. And he just said, this is who God is. That brings us to Ecclesiastes 3. This is how we need to read him, knowing the scripture. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, remember, Solomon is writing to us. He now continues with a weary round of life, but looking at this with the lenses helps us to see a greater purpose. Here's why. If, you, if I did not give you Isaiah 46, and I didn't give you uh, Psalm 139, and I didn't give you Acts 17, you might read this, and it would be really skewed. You'd be like, man, here's why. I was thinking about Solomon today, and I was thinking, Solomon... It's just like, we just don't invite him over for dinner. Do you understand that? Solomon is just kind of like, he's like super bombed all the time. And it'd be like, I mean, I don't want that guy here. I mean, I, I had a great day and now you invited Solomon over and he's like, to everything, you know, he's going he's gonna to hit us. But we, but we have a different set of glasses. And so, again, what do we need to do? Okay, so here's the thing. Here's what I want you to see. Let me see if I can illustrate it this way. I've entitled this message, if you're taking note, Key Ingredients from God. Key Ingredients from God. Why? Because today we discover that the life, that life, our life has certain ingredients ordained by God. And so at life's end, it will be sweet and joyful. You go, wait, what do you mean? Okay, how so? Okay, well, think about this. Think about this. Do I have any bakers in the house? Any bakers? 
Okay, we have two. I thought I saw two, and you just kind of raised it. We got we got some bakers. Okay, we got to love to bake. Now, here's the thing. If I said, "Hey, Nancy, um, I'd love to go over your house and have some uh, ha- have something that you baked," and she's like, "Sure, come on over anytime." And she brought out. She says, "Here, here, Pastor Ben. Here, here's a here's some flour. Have a spoonful." I mean, I'd be like, I'm not coming. Keon, are you okay? Blink twice if you need me to get you out of here. You know, you see what I'm saying? Was, no. And nobody wants to just eat flour. I, I came over for some delicious stuff that you baked. No, no, here's some flour, Pastor Ben. Go ahead. Here's a spoonful. But, but think about it. What about sugar? Well, you don't like the flour. How about some sugar, Pastor Ben? Here's a, here's a cup full of sugar. Can you imagine? Or how many of you would eat raw eggs. Now, I'm not talking Rocky, okay? We used to do that when Rocky first came out. We wanted to be like him. We'd get up early in the morning and drink raw eggs and go running until we threw up those raw eggs because nobody should be drinking raw eggs. I mean, think about this. Honey, can you imagine? Can we imagine Keon? I'm going to use Keon. He's right. Honey, what's for lunch? And she goes, oh, I've been busy. How about three raw eggs? And I'm going to add some, some Crisco shortening to that and a little bit of salt. Oh, no, 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 here. I want a big scoop of baking powder. No, we would not eat those individually. Come on, somebody. But all these ingredients mixed together, and what do we get? We get a wonderful, delicious cake, right? Cake. Now, you you invite me over for cake. (laughs) I'm in. Cake, yeah. But we would not serve each other individual ingredients. See, eating wonderful cake is far better than just eating the ingredients. That's what Solomon is wanting to impart to us today. Look at verse 1. He says, To everything there's a season, a time, and a purpose under heaven. Okay? So he says, To everything there is a season. An appointed time. This is what we have a season. You now see why I asked you to ask somebody what your favorite season is. And it wasn't football season. Some of you said spring. Some of you, I don't know. I didn't meet anybody who said winter. Does anybody have a favorite winter? You got two? Winter? Summer? Summer? Yeah. Fall? A lot of falls in here. Look at that, more, more than fall. And uh, was that all of them? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But he says this, to everything, a time, listen, a time, ooh, you got to get this, guys, a time for every purpose, for every purpose. The word purpose there means a pleasure, a desire, everything under the earth. There's a time for that. There's a time for that. Notice with me verses 2 through 8. It says, there's a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck what's planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to gain and a time to lose. A time to keep 
and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. Now again, I want you to step just a moment. You're inviting Solomon over to your house. You put out the spread. There it is. You have everybody. And the first thing he's like, he starts says, he starts telling you, hey, listen, to everything there's a season, the purpose for the hand. Oh, okay, he's going to drop some great wisdom on us. This is going to be great. Listen up. And he starts going and he starts talking to you. There's a time to be born and a time to die. And you're like, okay. But then he gets really deep when he starts thinking about there's a time to kill and a time to heal. You're like, Solomon, what are you doing? Now, think about this. Historically, when this list is sung or mentioned, it's viewed a little bit differently. It's often viewed about things that occur in life and things that happen in life. If you're going through a hard time, we say, hey, there is a time to, and whatever it might be, and there's a time to heal, and there's a, there's a time to hug, and, there's a, and, and we think about occurrences in life. But let me give you the reality This really is not a list of things that happens in life. You ready? This is going to blow your mind. But this is a list of things that God sends. What? See, this is hard for us. Listen, it's far better to go, I love Jesus and this hope that random good things happen to us. But it's far different when we go, wait a minute, God, you're sending these things? I can't believe how this ties in so beautifully to the book of Philippians when we talk about when we talk about joy and we talk about how the enemy wants to rob us of our joy and how we have to have certain things in our heart and it's not about happiness because circumstances come. And then and, and here's the encouragement I had to you. In every circumstance in your life, you gotta try to find something good. But I gotta tell you, it's hard. It's hard. Because we have limited vision on what God wants to do. You go, Pastor, what do you mean? So in order to get my cardio in, I've been playing with my friend. I've been playing racquetball. And and I'm really competitive, and I was working real hard. And, and, and you play an hour of, of, of racquetball, and you're just completely drenched. Now, 99.9% of the time, I lost to this young man. You understand that. And that gets me. But I was in it for the cardio. Well, today, as we were playing, I, I felt a little pull on my left, my, my right calf, and I'm like, I'll be all right, I'll be all right. And as I moved to go get the ball, I felt it go poof. And it pulled, it just pulled. I, I knew it was going to happen, and I felt it, and I was like, I took off my racket, and I was like, we're done. And here I am doing this the rest of the day. And it just, it just hurt, it just hurt. Like, like, I can't play tomorrow. I can't, I don't know when, but I, I can't play. And so the Lord's like, hey, what are, you, what are you going to find good about this? I'm like, I can't find nothing good about this. What is good that I'm limping around like this at church and my friends are making fun of me? What is wrong with this? But honestly, is there good? Did God ordain? I mean, God's in control. And so I sit there and I go, okay, Lord, what? How can I glorify you in this? How can I glorify you? And you go, well, well, Ben, Captain Obvious would be, maybe he wants you to, maybe there was something tomorrow or the next week. 
You need to slow down. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Or maybe, maybe it's just reminding me we're getting old. And the body is breaking down. We're not, I'm not 20 years old. If I was 20 years old, that probably wouldn't have happened. I would have got up and continued to play. But now the Lord's going, <laughs> yeah, see, this is what sin does. There's, there's so much in looking at what God wants to do. So my question to you in the book of Philippians or even here, I mean, think about it. If, if, if this is not a list of things that happens in life, but this is a list of things that God sends, how are we thankful and how do we glorify him? How do we find the good that doesn't rob the joy in our lives? You go, how so? Well, think about it this way. Think about it like this. Could this list that Solomon just talked about was a list of ingredients that God mixes together to serve his purposes in your life? Could it be just a little bit of flour, a little bit of sugar, and, and, and what's he doing in your life? He's building a wonderful cake. We don't see it that way. We go, oh, I can't believe this season we're in. I just, this is crazy. This is crazy. And, and the reason we do that, church, is because we're, we're human. And, and here's what we like to do. We like to do, and, and, and um, we kind of look at it like some kind of buffet. You ever go to a buffet like Golden Corral? You go to Golden Corral, and man, you're just okay. And, and what we do in a buffet is that we'll, we'll get some stuff that we'll eat. Man, well, I like this. And then there's some stuff that you just won't eat. You just won't eat. And we're like that when it comes to life. We simply want to pick and choose only those things that are good. For example, as we look at these first eight verses, we tend to pick the good things. Like, there's a time to be bored. Oh, yes, I love babies. But we don't want anybody to die. No, 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 push that away. I don't want that. I don't want that. There's a time to plant no, 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 we don't want to kill. We want everybody to be healed. And see how we pick and choose what we want. Right? There's a time to mourn and a time to dance. We, want to, we don't want to mourn. We want to dance. And so, so it's like getting a buffet and going, Oh, Lord, please don't send mourning. Please don't send these things. Please don't send heart. Lord, please. I, I only want... I only want the good stuff. I mean, think about, oh. Can you imagine verse 8? There's a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. Lord, what are you, what are you saying? Well, this is tough to handle, and yet God loves me so much to let that happen. Why? Everybody say why. Here's why. Listen. Because people who are never stretched and people who are never hurt and people who never mourn, they usually turn out to be self-centered, spoiled, rotten, vicious people. And God loves us too much to let that happen. So every one of us in this room is not exempt from the things that God wants to send in our lives. 
because his goal is to grow us up to be more like Jesus every day. And yet, church, listen to me, we fight him and we fight him and we fight him and I'm right there with you and I'm your pastor. So God, he and he alone, who sees all of eternity and decides who gets what and when they get it, and I've never met anyone who likes to eat flour, but I know a lot of people who love cake. But you can't have the cake without the flour. Now, there is, just like there's a time and a season for everything, Solomon says there's also a purpose. And so Solomon's not going to leave us hanging. He says, yeah, there's some things. No, he's going to say there's a purpose behind all of it. The joy, the sorrow, the mourning, the laughter, there's a purpose there, a deep abiding purpose. In fact, he says there's three of them. And so he's not just going to start naming them off for us. So let's go back to verse 9. Verse 9 says this. He writes, What profit has the worker from that in which he labors? And I've seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. He goes, he goes this. Here's what he's saying. He says, what do people really get for, for all their hard work? He says, I've seen the burden has, that God has placed on us all. On us all. He says, so again, what do people really get? There's a season. There's a purpose. Well, let's look at this. Let's look at this. Let's come down and let's see the threefold reason joy and sorrow are in one sentence. Verse 11. He says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning to the end. Let me give you reason number one. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Which means every little step, every little sorrow, every little tear, every hurt, Every joy all goes into the bowl and bring about what's going to be beautiful in the end. If you were to grasp this, your life would be so amazingly peaceful. Because you're still going to hurt. You're still going to have those tears. You're still going to have, I don't understand God, but what God's doing, he's going, listen, I'm working on your life and I'm going to make it so beautiful one day. So beautiful. God, I just don't understand. And he's saying, okay, okay. But listen, he's made everything in its time. In its time. There are some things in your life, church, listen, there are some things in your life that you're not going to have an answer to until you get to heaven. And you'll step back and go, wow, I didn't see it on earth. That's amazing. God, I didn't realize you were doing that. I thought you didn't like me. I thought you made a mistake. I thought you, and you can lift, that's not who God is. You understand, in order to grasp this, you need to have those lenses. You need to know that he sees everything. He sees the whole parade. We don't. You see that, that basically he's wove us in our mother's womb. You see that he intricately just, he, he's given us our personalities and he's, he's God. That's who we serve. 
And the first thing he says is he says, man, he has made everything beautiful in its time. I think one of the best illustrations is childbirth. When you think about everything that goes into a baby being born, it's unbelievably beautiful, and yet there's some sorrow and some pain in there, is there not? I mean, you think about it. Something that God has ordained in a pleasureful moment now creates a life. God ordains that life, and it's like, oh! But it's not without its... its well, oh, what's the matter? I don't know. I don't feel good. And they call it morning sickness. And so you have, you have the wife going... And, and on rare occasions, I've heard that the husband gets it. In a weird way, it's like, man, I'm... Oh. So, so there's some, there's some, something wrong with me. Oh no, you're pregnant. I'm pregnant. Oh my gosh! Well, we have a baby, and then you guys understand the process, right? So then, so then it's all of that stuff. See, it's not an easy task. As your belly gets big, bigger, you get tired and tired and tired. The first trimester, you're just tired all the time, and then you go, you just do all of this stuff, and then here comes the baby. Then the baby decides, I'm coming out, and it's not like cool. Let's put it in the shopping car and, 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 and pay for it and go home. Then you have the labor pains. And when the labor pains hit, I've got to tell you, your wife turns into something you just don't know anymore. You just don't know. You don't know who this woman is. <laughs> I'll never forget. My wife is the most loving, and, and, and I'll never forget this story. When when When... I'd be, I'd be just, rub, oh, she'd love for me just to, just to rub her arm and just, oh, she calls it tickle and it would just, and she'd sit there and, and then so, so I'm thinking this is a good thing, this is a good thing, this is good. She wants this. Well, she's, she's having the babies, and and I'm thinking, well, how could I? Let me just rub her arm, and she said, "Don't touch me." <laughs> Literally, I was like, whoa. I said, what happened to you? I've never had a baby, so I don't know, but that was pretty intense. And then the pain and, and the childbirth, and then guess what happens? After the baby's born, that pain sort of goes away. And they see that baby, and they're like, oh, let's have another one. And I'm just like, isn't that what, what Solomon, everything is made beautiful in its time. But there's some pain. There's some... Cameron's <laughs> like, I'm just newly married. Don't talk like that. The second reason, second reason, he has put eternity in their hearts. Look, these reasons, the joys and sorrows, you name it. And what they do is they bounce off of this groove that's deep in our soul. And I want you to look at this because it makes us, it, it, it makes us realize that we're part of something bigger that we can't fathom or get our heads around. Because in the end, we can't control joy or sorrow. You go, what do you mean? God says that, that somehow in this deep way, we remember what it was like to walk with him. And then sin comes in and distorts it all. He says, I put eternity. And we're, we're desperately trying to go back there. Understand, that's why a lot of humans that we love, 
will try to fill that void. They, they know there's something, and they'll try to fill it with relationships and sex and drugs and party, and they'll try to do all of this stuff to fill that. Well, Solomon says, I've done it all, and that doesn't satisfy, because God put eternity in our hearts, and so the only one that could fill that and set us free is Jesus. That's why we go, oh, that's why it's, you're a different person. Once you're saved, you're like, man, I'm different. Why? Because the eternity goes, oh, eternity, I remember. I remember eternity. Okay, this is where I need to belong. And that's when you start to long for home. Not a lot of people who don't know my Jesus long for heaven. They're trying to satisfy themselves here on earth. And you could look at your own life, and we'll call it your BC days, how many of us try to satisfy that eternity by trying to put stuff in it? The weekend party, the drugs, whatever it might be, gambling. We're just trying to fill that. And, and God says, no, 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 I'm the only one that can fill that. And let me give you the third reason. It says here, man cannot understand or see the whole scope of God's work. Why? Because it takes faith to walk with God. It takes faith. But I'm giving you such a great, or the Lord is, should I say, such a great just a peace, if you will, to know that God has ordained everything in your life for his honor and his glory, growing you up in such an amazing way. Every ingredient comes in. Oh, okay, okay. But it takes faith to go, Lord, okay, I trust you. I trust you. As a matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, you can jot this down somewhere. The writer of Hebrews says, but without God, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Guys, without faith, it's impossible to please him. We got to believe that. And that's why he tells us when we pray, pray believing, because again, we're praying to a God. That takes faith. We need to believe. We need to believe. So I've given you three, three, uh, a threefold reason for joy and sorrow. What's that? He's made everything beautiful in its time. He's put eternity in his heart, and you and I can't stand apart, understand what he's doing or see the whole scope of it, and we have to walk by faith. We don't know what's on the other side. We're walking by faith. We're walking by faith. Faith is a little bit easier knowing that God is in control of all things. Amen? Faith is a little bit easier going, God ordained you to be here where you're supposed to be. Do you realize that God ordained the house that you're supposed to live in right now? Well, no, 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 I picked it out. No, 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 God ordained this. If you're a f fully devoted follower of God, he's ordained all of this stuff, and, and it's not even in our radar. And God ordained for you to be here tonight, exactly hearing this message. So let's close. I want you to notice what Solomon declares in verse 12 and 13. Ecclesiastes 3, 12 and 13 says this. For I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy all the good of his labor. It is a gift of God. I love this verse. Why? Here's what he's telling us to do. 
What do you do with all the information? What do you do? You ready? Here it is. Really simple. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your life. Wait a minute. That shouldn't be coming from the pulpit. You should be, we should be beating the sheep, not encouraging the sheep to enjoy their life. No, 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 no. Listen, this is exactly what he's telling us to do. Our God is not sitting up in heaven with a spiritual billy club ready to knock us out the moment we get out of step. He's saying, listen, I've given you all of this. I've ordained it. I'm walking. Enjoy. But please don't take something that's beautiful and good and make it ultimate. Please don't do that. That's an idol. But the stuff I've given you. Listen, when Nancy bakes a cake, we don't worship Nancy or the cake. We thank God that he gave us taste buds and that we can enjoy the cake. You understand that? When you embrace your loved one and say goodnight, you don't take that loved one and put her on a pedestal, put him on a pedestal, You thank God for them because it's easy to take a relationship that's good and make it ultimate. And that's an idol. How do I enjoy life? How do I enjoy life? Well, here's the thing. When you've got money and you've got food and you've got your health and your kids are listening and being obedient, when there's laughter and when there's a time to build up and enjoy and drink life deeply. That's what you need to do. You go, yes. But you also need to enjoy life when you have no food and when you've got no health and when your kids aren't listening or being obedient and when there's no laughter. And death is knocking on, on the door. And everything so feels so heavy and exhausting. The Word of God says, enjoy life. Thank God. Here, here's what Jesus is trying to say. And I don't know if you're hearing it tonight. Each one of you, he's so intimately involved in your design and where he puts you and when he placed you. Through Solomon and Ecclesiastes 3, Jesus is trying to go, listen, I've got it. You can let go. I've got it. And enjoy the fact that everything is happening right now has now gone. That's what he's saying. Everything that's gone has gone through my hands. Enjoy life. Amen? Father, thank you for Ecclesiastes. Lord, thank you so much that we can look at it through different lenses. Thank you, God, that we can worship you and honor you and glorify you. Father, I'm not sure how many Christians are truly just enjoying the life that you've given us. Lord, we often feel that if things aren't going super good, that we can't enjoy it. That we've got to be super bummed and we ask your forgiveness for that, Lord. Father, help us to realize that every circumstance and everything in our lives, whether good or bad, you're ordained 
so that you can make something so beautiful in its time. Forgive us, Lord, when we doubt how beautiful you are and how amazing you are. Forgive us, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.